Hey there. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and leave a review. And if you really enjoy the show, share it with a friend. It's how we build community, and I'd really appreciate it. You know how they say, if you had, if you'd never had to worry about money and you wanted to do something, what would you do? This was that. Why does it take me 10 more years or 20 more years to get the kind of same kind of pay that somebody else, it didn't even take them that long. Why is the guy who's doing probably half the work that I did is getting a a promotion and double the pay and here I still have to prove myself. So every Monday morning, people were like panicked because they didn't know, you know, if it's going to be them. You could tell the stress on people's faces, you know. I know there were a lot of people going through depression. So it was quite a traumatic period. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not talking to anybody who doesn't believe that I can do this. I didn't tell anybody except my sister and I. You know, she she knew about it, but I didn't tell. Even my husband, even though we're sitting in the same room and I'm working on my computer and he's working on his, I'm like, I'm not telling anybody till I know that this thing is actually going live. We've all heard and read the numbers by now. How many millions of people have filed for unemployment assistance since March? And how many state systems have crashed under the pressure? But that's only part of the picture. For a lot of people, this isn't the first employment crisis they've experienced as adults. Meet Malini. Malini was first laid off in 2007. And her story of that experience feels so relevant to our crisis today. And last year, Malini was laid off again. But this time, her life had changed. She spent a year traveling the world. And after her year was up, in February 2020, she came home, refreshed and recharged, and ready to look for a new job. Malini and I met through a mutual interest in a guy named Pat Flynn. Like Malini, Pat was laid off in 2007, and he used this experience as an opportunity to launch a new career as an entrepreneur and business coach. 13 years later, and his YouTube videos have been watched almost 15 million times. And since the COVID quarantine began, he's been broadcasting for an hour every day from his home studio, sharing tips and how-tos and building community to help people stuck at home feel less isolated. When we spoke, Malini told me about being laid off in 2007 and again in 2019. She told me about her trip around the world and about her personal experiences working as an immigrant and a woman of color in America. And she told me how she's putting these experiences together, using them to fuel her new project. But I'll let her tell the story. And I'll see you on the other side. This is COVID Stories. I was first laid off during the recession in 2007, 2008 at that time. And I was uh, working as an auditor and our whole department got laid off. So, you know, it was, everybody was like stunned because nobody was expecting that to happen. You know, then we heard other people uh, getting laid off as well because people were keeping it very quiet. Nobody was actually talking about it. So people were trying to help each other find jobs. And, you know, it was a very depressing time. People were getting you know, upset. You didn't know who to talk to because some people, if they had a job, they were afraid to say they had one. If they didn't have a job, they were afraid to say they didn't have one because how would people look at you and whatever. And I remember going online and seeing Pat talk about his journey because he was, he got laid off too, you know, and then he started a blog and then he was writing about his style, his story. It was something different and I was really hooked. But then 
at that point in time, and this is almost more than um, 10 years ago, I was not in a position to be able to just start my own online business and, you know, try and experiment because I had two young kids. But I always kept, you know, I had subscribed to Pat's newsletter. And so I would continue to get his emails and I was always reading up on what he was doing. And there was always a part of me that's like, one of these days, I'm going to do all of that. You know, I'm going to have the time to sit and go through all these things and figure out a way to do it and write and sell and, you know, all, all, all of that. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm one of his super fans. I have all his books. I always read up and I'm still a fan. So fast forward 10 years later, I know a lot of people have been affected by COVID this year. And my story is a little different in that I actually got laid off last year. So I was, I was, we were kind of, I worked for a big automotive company and I was part of the, one of those giant layoffs where they were laying off 10,000 people, you know, in a month or whatever. Nobody knew when it was going to happen. They were just told that you will be notified. So every Monday morning, people were like panicked because they didn't know, you know, if it's going to be them. You could tell the stress on people's faces. You know, I know there were a lot of people going through depression. So it was quite a traumatic period. However, in my case, I was one of those few people who was like, please let me be on the list. Please, 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 please let me be on the list. Because I was so ready to like... You know, I I was so tired of being at the mercy of somebody else's or the economy's whim that I would be out of a job. I'm like, I'm so done with this. I was so burnt out. And I was like, you know, I just want to be on the list. I can take a break and I can figure out what I'm going to do. Of course, you know, at this time, one, I was older. Two, you know, my kids were older. So they were all already, you know, out of college and they were doing their own things. I didn't have to worry about you know, paying for college or coming home and, you know, having to pick up kids or daycare, any of that stuff. So it was basically just me and my husband and he was okay. I just needed the break. So I'm like, if I'm meant to take a break, I will be on that list. And if I am on that list, I am going to travel the world. I remember that Monday morning in February when, you know, we saw the security and everybody come up to the desk. And I think I was one of the first people in I was, I know that my director was probably more upset than I was. I said, yeah, I'll be okay. I already have my plane ticket. And he just looked at me like, what? I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, I'm all set. I'm actually on a plane. I'm, I'm, I'm going to India next, next week. So the first thing I did was come home and call my sister. We were both like jumping and screaming on the phone because I'm like, I'm coming on a plane. I'm getting on a plane. I was so excited. So 10 days later, actually, my kids, my kids are both older and they're studying in college. They actually flew back home to give me a going away party because they're like, wow, you're actually leaving. Nobody believed me because I said, I'm going and I'm going for a year. I am not coming back till next year. And they're like, no, no, you're kidding. There's no way you're doing this. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I was so burnt out. I was so ready for this. So I, um, I actually left 10 days later. I was on a plane. Um, I got to India because that's where my parents live. And it was my mom's birthday. And normally every February I go to see my mom. This time I actually came earlier. So she wasn't expecting me. And that was a surprise. And I stayed way longer than I normally do. Because normally I just go for about 10 days and I'm back. This time I was there for a much longer time. So she was thrilled. It was my adventure. It was my year to do, you know how they say, if you had, if you'd never had to worry about money and you wanted to do something, what would you do? This was that. 
of course I had I didn't have like all the money in the world or anything I just knew that I could do whatever I wanted and I didn't have to worry about kids or you know uh, cooking or pick up drop off or anything like that it was the first time in a very long time I had the freedom to go wherever I wanted to do whatever I wanted and there was nobody to question and that was such that was very different for me because I'm Normally I'm like always there's always somebody telling me or asking me and how to do stuff. So this is a very very different situation for me. So I ended up actually starting from uh in February I was uh you know I was in India in uh May I went to South America. I went to Machu Picchu, did that trip with my sister because I was a long time coming. Came back from South America. We had to come back via London. So I stopped we stopped in Stonehenge because I wanted to see that. And then I came back uh, to India. I would, you know, spend some time with my family. And then my son was actually traveling to the U- UK for some work. And I said, I haven't seen my son. So I'm like, all right. So I got to go to, to London and I got to see my son. And then I needed to spend some time in Europe because I w- my daughter was supposed to be landing in Italy. And she goes, aren't you going to come see me? I'm like, I don't have any money. I can't stay in Europe. It's so expensive. She goes, why don't you just go woofing? So if you've never heard of woofing, it's it's the worldwide uh, opportunities on organic farms and you can do woofing in any part of the world. You just have to sign up, you know, for that. So there's no money exchange. They give you, you know, room and board and food and you go there and work. So I was like, I think that's a great idea because what what better way to stay in a country, learn the language, learn about the people, you know, than um, staying on a farm. And I'm a, I'm a, if you ask my kids, they'll say I'm a hippie, but I love being outside. I'm huge into gardening. So this would be, this was perfect. So I had actually, and I wanted to go to Spain because I was learning Spanish. And I'm like, what better way to learn Spanish than to actually be with, you know, in an environment where they speak only Spanish. Because what tends to happen is if you've noticed, if you go to any other country, or other countries that speak English, you automatically tend to gravitate towards English. But when you are in an environment where everybody speaks only one language, then you're kind of forced to listen and then you learn the nuances and you start to learn to think in that language because you hear that all the time. So I'm like, that's what I wanted. So I wanted to be in a place one where they only spoke Spanish. So that way I would be forced to, you know, understand and listen and learn. So it actually worked out. So this is a 70-year-old lady and uh, she had an olive farm. She lived there all by herself and she had this huge, uh, you know, she had acres of uh, olive trees and she had orange trees. She had avocado. I mean, it was just something very different. And I just stayed there for a month. So, you know, even the showers were solar powered and there was a pump that she was using to pump the water out of the well. We would go to the reservoir and then we use that and, you know, we would water the plants and even the bread that we baked was in a solar oven. And then after I was uh, done with the farm, I um, it took a week to just kind of go around Spain and then headed back to India to uh, be with my, my mother-in-law. And so uh, the place where I come from in India is in the South, which is like a, um, it's a rainforest. So I'm literally crisscrossing different climate zones all over the place. And I was just, I was just making the most of it. I'm like, I don't know if I ever get a chance like this again. So I I was just making the most of it. I got to do a lot of things. I had family events that I had to attend. 
I got to plan my dad's 80th birthday. It was a surprise birthday, so he was very happy about that. Finally, a year was up before you even knew it, and I had to come back. And there was no way I could change my ticket because like the maximum was a year. So I left in February of last year, and then February of this year, uh, I had to come back. And I landed, and within one week, COVID hit. I went from traveling out of a suitcase to lockdown. Can't even leave the house. And now, so not only was I uh, suffering from jet lag, which, you know, got over in a few days, but then it was like the uncertainty, right? I mean, and that's when everybody was like, people getting laid off, people falling sick. Of course, forget applying for a job. So um, when I had left, I remember, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm not even going to think about looking for a job at this point when I left because I was like, I needed a break. And I had never actually applied. I had never um, signed up for unemployment. I didn't think I qualified, honestly, because I'm like, I left, right? I left. I mean, I didn't do as soon as I as soon as I got laid off, I just left. I didn't even think too much about paperwork or anything. So I actually had um, called up uh, the unemployment agency and asked, and they're like, yeah, you can apply. I was like, oh, okay. So um, I said, no, I know this is only going to be temporary because I'll probably look for a job and, you know, I'll find something within the next month. So I was extremely lucky because I applied for unemployment and the following week is when the unemployment system crashed. And after that, when I tried to get onto the website, it was like, you have to wait three minutes before the, the site even opened up. Then it was like, you can, if your last name is starting with, you know, M through Z, then it's only uh, Monday, Wednesday. Otherwise, it's Tuesday, Thursday. And then if you want to make up, it's on Saturday. You can't get a hold of an agent. I mean, all sorts of issues. But I was lucky that I had already got my paperwork processed. So I was actually lucky in the sense that I didn't have to wait too long. A lot of other people had to wait much longer before, you know, they were actually in the system and got their, uh, got their checks. So I think it was a question of timing. When I got back, everybody kept saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. At this point, it's like nobody even knew what was happening. And I think that is when, you know, you, you that, that's when everybody craves a routine, right? At least, you know, okay. Like when you were going, when you go to work, it's like you have a routine in the morning, you get in your car, you drive to work, you know, what's going to happen next. But in this situation, it's like, you don't know. And this was the time when I got online and, you know, Pat Flynn from the income stream, he was coming on and he had said that, you know, I'm going to do this every day until the lockdown is done because you know, we, everybody needs something to just kind of keep you sane. Honestly, that was what it was. And so I looked forward to, you know, 11 a.m. because it was 8 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. I look forward to 11 a.m. every day because I'm like, at least I know that one hour, I know what's happening. After that, I don't know. But at least for that one hour, I know what is gonna, what's going to happen. And I would log on and listen just to be part of a routine. And I would listen to people and everybody has similar stories. You know, people are getting laid off. They have, you know, illnesses. They're worried. So when he started talking about, you know, he would, he would talk about all the different things that he's done. And one of the things I remember was he was talking about the podcast. So I'm like, I need to come out of this with something. Because I'm a creative and um, I'm also a teacher. I'm a dance teacher. So I teach classical Indian dance. So I'm always like moving and I'm like, I can't just sit still. I have to do something. 
So when Pop was talking about his podcast stuff and he was talking about the people he meets and the stories that this kind of resonated with me and, you know, and I was like, you know what, this is the perfect time to do this. Cause I was just thinking back to, you know, the times when I was traveling and all the people that I met and everybody has a story just like mine. I mean, you know, I came from a very different background and I've evolved over the years. I've been in the U S for 30 years, but I didn't grow up here. You know, I, I came here after I was married and my kids are born brought up here, but I'm not. So it was a huge adjustment for me. And I'm like, just like my story, I'm sure there are other women who have similar stories and would like to do things that they probably never had a chance to, but they never even thought that they could because nobody told them. They're so used to somebody saying that, no, you can't do it. You forget that, yes, you can. All you need to do is make up your mind. And you can actually do it. And I was kind of like, wait, do people expect me not to do stuff? I didn't know what it is like to be discriminated against. No idea. It's only after I had my kids and the kids would come home and say stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was bad. You know, people would say stuff to me that way to me and I would just kind of brush it off. And I think that is the difference between immigrants and first generation, right? Immigrants just want to live their lives without making any waves. They just want to survive. But as they grew up, you, you see the very subtle racism that happens. You see the subtle nuances, you know, at work. And you're not sure. It's like, did they say that because I really didn't do a good job? Or, you know, or is it because I'm the only woman there? Is it because that I am, you know, a woman of color there? So it's like you have all these questions in your head. And I had no way of knowing. I had no way to ask. I didn't know what it was. But watching my children grow up in this environment and then you kind of open your eyes and you pay attention. You realize, oh, there, there is a difference. Why does it take me 10 more years or 20 more years to get the kind of same kind of pay that somebody else, it didn't even take them that long? Why is the guy who's doing probably half the work that I did is getting a, a promotion and double the pay? And here I still have to prove myself, you know, and I, and the, and the, and the message I go, oh, you need to work harder or you need to do this or you need to do that. And I was like, okay, not realizing that, you know, that that was not the case. And so as I started talking to more and more, more women, and then of course, now, of course, the, the voice is so much louder, but for the longest time, I had no idea. I was so clueless. I was so clueless. And it kind of, now when I think about it, it really bothers me because I was like, I wish I had known earlier. I wish I looked for other people like me and, and stronger women who I would hear their voices and say, yes, I'm with you. And what do I need to do? I wish I had done that. But I never did that because I didn't, I was so clueless. Now that I know, I'm like, man, am I going to be badass? I'm like, I want to hear your stories. I want to know what to say because I, I can resonate with probably every one of those. You know, maybe it's like 30 years, a little too late, but it's never too late, better late than never. And I need, I need to hear the stories from the women who've already gone through it and didn't say anything to the people who are standing up. You know, the, the current generation who are loud and, and have, have no, have absolutely no qualms about standing up and making and, and raising their voice and making a, taking a stand. And I think that's absolutely fabulous. And, and I want the younger generation also to listen to that and say, do that, be that, you know, don't, don't keep quiet, stand up and yell and scream so people can hear you. Don't let somebody shut you down because they think that you shouldn't be heard. That is your prerogative to stand up and say something. 
you can't let somebody else decide how you should be portrayed. You need to make that stand. And so every woman has a story to tell. And it's, it's, a different, it's, a, it's a different story, but in some ways, it's very much the same thing. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not talking to anybody who doesn't believe that I can do this. I didn't tell anybody except my sister and I. You know, she, she knew about it, but I didn't tell. Even my husband, even though we're sitting in the same room and I'm working on my computer and he's working on his, I'm like, I'm not telling anybody till I know that this thing is actually going live. In my head, it sounded amazing. Of course, when you say it out loud, you're like, does this even sound okay? So the only, the only person who was my, uh, who was my conscience and, you know, giving me feedback was my sister because we have each other's backs. And she and I were going back and forth. And I said, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I want to tell anybody. She goes, no, don't tell anybody. If they're not going to support you, don't say anything to anyone. So I had like two friends that I told and they were my, they were like my best buds. So they, I knew that no matter what I did, they would always be my, they would have my back. So initially it was hard, but I think it's really, really important to have somebody uh, at your back. It just needs to be one person. It doesn't have to be a hundred people. It just needs to be one person to say, you got this. You're okay. You're going to be fine. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You know what? We can go out, have a drink and cuss everybody out and then we'll be okay. And we'll start again tomorrow. And so I waited. I had all my, uh, you know, episodes already done. I had you know, I, 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 all my ducks in a row. And at the moment I got the Apple, um, podcast approval, I knew I was going live. So I launched, I actually launched, um, uh, on June 7th. It's called, uh, Gladiatrix Hear Me Roar because it's all about women and their stories and a platform to tell their stories. And now it's like a whole new world. I have no idea how it's going to go. And now I look around, there's so many people who want to start podcasts and, you know, they're all looking like, wow, this is so cool. If you can do it, I can do it. And I'm like, great. Hey, if I can inspire you to do it, the more the merrier. So that's how it started. And then once I launched and I told people and I'm kind of waiting to hear what their reaction was. And then I realized, I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because I remember what Pat, he always says, you know, you have to be a disaster before you have to be the master. And I'm like, okay, they don't like it too bad. It's already out there. And the first, the first episode was me, just me and my story. It was not even an interview or anything like that. And I was kind of worried about that initially because I'm like, oh my God, this is my story, the way I see it, the way I went through it. I don't know if anybody else knew about what it was like, you know, to, to be that in, in my shoes, you know, 20 years or 30 years ago. So I was kind of worried about the reaction in, it was interesting because my dad listened to the first episode and he goes, really? I had no idea you went through all this. And I'm like, oh boy, am I going to get yelled at now? You know, that was in my head. I was like, oh man, people are going to yell at me now. and People are going to say stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, they can't do anything. I'm here. They're there. I'll be fine. It's okay. <laughs> so, so I kind of, um, I think in my head, that's how I reconciled with the fact that, you know what? It's okay. Uh, I'll be, if, if they don't like it, it's okay. I, I will just do a better job the next time. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. <laughs> this podcast features the stories of real people. To learn more about Malini and her journey, especially her podcast, visit our website, covidstoriespodcast.com. You'll find show notes for every episode. 
with ways to directly support the people featured here and the passions that fuel their stories. COVID Stories is a self-supported podcast. It's produced and edited by me, Nathan J. Vaughn. To learn more about how you can support this project or to submit your own story to be featured in a future episode, visit our website. The address, again, is covidstoriespodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is COVID Stories.